What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey, everybody. I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 283. On Now You Know. This show is brought to you by our Patreon patrons every single week. If you want to join them, you can head over to patreon.com slash now you know. You get your name uh, shouted out and on the end credits. Um, lots of other great stuff there, too. So head on over there. Check it out. Today's show is sponsored by Extra. You might be wondering, what is Extra? Extra is the first debit card that lets you build your credit and earn reward points just like a credit card. And this is super helpful for a lot of people. Right. There are over 100 million Americans who don't want or can't get a credit card. And I can relate to this problem. I mean, remember when I was 18, you insisted that I build credit by getting a credit card, but it was really hard to find one. Yeah, I remember it was like the chicken and the egg problem. You didn't have credit. So how could you get banks to trust you with a credit card? Right. I remember my first credit card that I finally got after days of research. The spending limit was like $250 and I was so afraid to use it. If extra had existed back then, it would have been so much easier for you. Building a good credit score is so vital and extra helps you do this without incurring debt. So how does it work? Well, users connect Extra to their existing bank account with no credit check. When you swipe your Extra card, Extra pays for the purchase and then auto pays themselves from your bank account the next business day. Man, I, I wish I could get my credit cards to pay themselves off the next day. <laughs> At the end of the month, all your payments are tallied and Extra reports them to credit bureaus. Wait, so you can build up your credit score without paying any interest? Right. And with Extra, you earn up to 1% redeemable reward points for every purchase you make. So sign up with Extra using the link below. And start building your credit today with a debit card. Yes, a debit card. And we're brought to you by BigBattery.com. No matter what you need to power, Big Battery can provide you with the latest battery tech at the best price per kilowatt hour guaranteed. Their batteries are easily installed, require zero maintenance, and they're made right here in the U.S. Pick up yours today at BigBattery.com and use the code now you know for 5% off at checkout. All right, before we start the show, this is your last chance. That's right. Valentine's Day is next Monday. You have less than a week. But don't worry. We have you covered. If you're doing the surprise, skip ahead about a minute. Uh, maybe two minutes. I'll give you a chance to grab the remote just in case there's somebody else in the room. Okay. So Jesse programmed a Valentine's Day Tesla light show to a romantic song by our friends, the Anderson Brothers. So here's my idea. After dinner, you go out to your car. You say, wait right here. Uh, go to your car. Start the light show. Grab your gift. You got them a gift, right? Maybe some flowers. You come back to them. Uh, everyone's enjoying the light show. You hand them your present. But you're going to want to pick this up now. Along with plenty of other Valentine's Day gifts. And you can get those over on EcoWare. So if you head over there right now, there's a whole bunch of cool things like plush Valentine stuffed animals. Puzzles. Romantic candles. Jewelry. Yeah. So, I don't know. Go check it out. See if, uh, see if it'll get delivered in time. <laughs> All right. So this week, this story about full self-driving software runs stop signs hit the interwebs. And Holmar's catalog responded, cue the moron journalists completely misreporting this story. It did not run any stop signs due to this issue. It slowed down to two miles per hour rather than zero miles per hour. If there was no one there to maximize comfort, this was by design, not mistake. Elon. And he went on to say, T. Krischer, the writer of the article, you're a moron. Oh! 
Now, Elon responded, he's actually a lobbyist, not a journalist. There are many who pose as the latter while behaving like the former, no integrity. Indeed, there were no safety issues. The car simply slowed to two miles an hour and continued forward, if clear view with no cars or pedestrians. And Gail Alfar said, this is why I question the motives of mainstream media who have a track record of spreading FUD against Tesla and Elon. And then they posted this tweet thread between them and Tom Krischer, the author of the article, uh, where Tom asked to talk to them and they said, hey, if you want to talk to me, talk to me here on Twitter. Elon went on to say, They've been writing bogus articles about Tesla and me for years. In the end, it's their own credibility that suffers. So let's be clear here. The media does what it loves to do. They make it sound like Teslas are ignoring stop signs completely and blowing through intersections. Now, should FSD be allowed to do a California stop, which is basically what a lot of us do? I mean, come on, you know you do. Is it unsafe? I think we all know that it depends on the situation. Some intersections require a complete stop to be safe. Others, you can slow down and roll along as you check the oncoming lanes. Now, should Teslas allow this, something that is technically illegal? Maybe not. But should a news organization, one that other news organizations rely on for their news feeds, be feeding misleading and arguably false information to the public, all because it makes for a good headline? Now, Back to this question of whether Tom Krischer is a journalist or a lobbyist, let's go to his LinkedIn. And it says that he worked for the AP for the past 16 years or so as an auto writer. But then if you go down to the bottom, it says he has two influencers that he follows. One of them is Mary Barra, the CEO of GM. The other is Jeff Immelt, the former CEO of GE. If you're trying to be unbiased, why would you put that you're biased, influenced by the CEO of a car company when you're an auto writer? And I think that the reason that this story got picked up in this way, aside from the fuddy article writers, um, is because according to NHTSA, Tesla is treating this as a recall for the roughly 54,000 cars affected and will disable the rolling stop feature with an over-the-air update. Oh, I'm sorry, this just in. Tesla already fixed it. Holmar's catalog says full self-driving beta 10.10 .10 is rolling out now. Goodbye, rolling stops. It was a good 15 months. Hope to see you again one day. And Elon tweeted out, a teary face. Yeah, not really a recall as we're going to see in the next story. But speaking of recalls, Tesla is recalling about 817,000 cars in the U.S. because the seatbelt reminder chimes may not sound when the car has started and the driver hasn't buckled up. So according to NHTSA, the problem only happens if the driver left the vehicle in the previous drive cycle while the chime was sounding. The chime still sounds if the car goes over 22 kilometers an hour, that's 13.7 miles per hour, and also the, if the driver's belt buckle still isn't buckled. The recall covers the 2021 and 22 Model S and X, as well as the 2017 through 2022 Model 3 and the 2020 through 2022 Model Y, according to NHTSA. Now, Tesla says that it's not aware of any crashes or injuries due to the problem. A visual seatbelt reminder is still displayed. Now, my guess is that Tesla will be fixing this with an over-the-air update. Nope, you gotta bring all the cars in. We gotta remove the Framisham and the Brinkle tube to replace the watcher frizzit with the new, more expensive watcher frizzit. It's gonna take a few hours, so get comfy in the lounge while you drink stale coffee and watch CNN and our salespeople come over and try to get you to go for a test drive in our new models with the new improved cup holders. Except that's not what's gonna happen. Uh, it's gonna be an over-the-air update, so... Should it be called a recall if you don't have to bring the car in? Yeah, I mean, Tesla Silicon Valley Club says an over-the-air update isn't a recall, Elon. Elon said, exactly. The terminology is anachronistic. I mean, let's take a look at NHTSA's own definition of what a recall is. So it implies that the customer has to do something like schedule a service appointment and bring their car in for fixing. With a Tesla, 
this is kind of like when you have a smart TV or a smartphone. And that would be like if every time you had one of those devices, you had to bring it in when there was an update, you know, a virus update or an integration with a new service update. I mean, can you imagine you're watching the game and uh, all of a sudden recall pops up on the screen and you go, oh, man. And you rip the TV off the screen, bring it back to Best Buy and like, oh, you got to update this. I got to watch the game. Right. This isn't how the world works anymore. And Tesla has been doing over the year updates for years now. So they're not. This isn't like well, a new I mean, thing. The rest of the world still seems to work this way. But Tesla's True. don't. And this is one reason why Tesla can be so innovative, because unlike a regular car company where if they don't get it right, they really do have to do a recall and maybe rip chips out and yeah. stuff like that. Tesla knows that if they get the software just a little wrong, like this little, basically, come on, it's a tweak, then they can tweak it later. Mm -hmm. Right. And then with the seatbelt chime thing, it sounds like there was maybe a little bug. It's a pretty uncommon occurrence that, because you don't get the seatbelt chime if you're in park, you're going to get it if you're in drive. And uh, Teslas are one of the only cars that you can uh, leave the car and drive get out of the car and not have your car run into anything. Right. It will put itself in park as soon as you open the door with your seatbelt unbuckled. So smart, so safe. But it's so frustrating that it's like, Teslas are running stop signs. Now, I don't think that it was very smart of Tesla to knowingly break the law in many states. But it was a choice. It was a user choice. You didn't have to have True. it do it that way. It's just if that's the way you normally drive, it was like, well, then why should we slam on the brakes every time we get to a stop sign? Right. If we're going to be following down to the letter of the law, then like Teslas can go faster than the speed limit. It's right. like, OK, yeah. I mean, what a weird world that we live in exactly. that the rules don't really exactly. line up with reality. Right. It's unfortunate, but it does mean that when we get to something like this, uh, pearl clutching people can just go like, well, they're running stop signs. It's like they're doing what everyone else is doing. Right. Hey, and if you want to share this story with that friend of yours that keeps sending you these bogus articles, head on over to our clips channel where we cut it up into a bite sized clip that you can share. But maybe we were wrong because there has been a full self-driving beta crash. All right, hang on. Let's get the full story before we go into mainstream media FUD mode, okay? Uh, John over on the YouTube channel AI Addict has been testing FSD Beta 10.10 on his YouTube channel. He just released a video last week of FSD Beta driving in downtown San Jose, California. Now, he was taking a right turn, and yes, the car did hit a plastic lane pylon. Oh, 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 oh See? That is a Tesla full self-driving beta crash. I knew the cars weren't safe. Well, no disrespect to John at AI Addict. I give him props for letting the FSD beta do its thing. But let's remember, FSD beta is still just a driver assist program and the driver is fully responsible for the car. So actually, the human driver, John, hit that pylon. Yes, the software is still learning and it's like driving with a new teenage driver. They are going to make some mistakes. That's how you learn. Failure is a chance to learn. Right. Those who watch this and say, see, these cars will never learn how to drive are completely wrong. These cars will learn how to drive and they will do better at it than humans before long. I always kind of wonder with these people, like, do they have children that are, you know, getting their licenses? Honey, <laughs> I just went driving with our son. He's never going to learn to drive. He's not a good driver. He almost hit something. He's never going to be able I to do it. I thought he was born a it's good gonna... driver, but he's not. Yeah, it's really frustrating. It's not. It's like it is learning. It's a beta program. It's like it has its permit, right? Right. When you go driving with a new driver, I don't know if anyone's experienced this before, uh, the person with the license, not the permit, is the responsible party. Right. So if the person with the permit behind the driver's seat hits somebody, 
guess whose insurance it's on? Guess right. who is based technically at fault right. in that accident? And that makes sense because you're teaching it. And that's what we're doing at FSD Beta. We're teaching the car to drive people. Right. Except in this case, you are behind the driver's seat and you can take over at any time. Now, John, I mean, <laughs> there was not a lot of time to react. No. And the good thing is, unlike a lot of other beta drivers, you, uh, who don't let the car get into too much trouble, there's drivers like Steven, who, if you remember when we did our drives, uh, he lets the car get into all kinds of trouble to see what it will do. And that's just depending on the beta driver. And the reason why this is important is that it actually will help train the neural Exactly. Network. I mean, if you take over too early, then we don't know what it would have done. I would, Although we kind of do because we saw the line heading in the wrong direction. But. I think you can see. Um, but again, this is this wasn't a crash. It's not like a reportable. No. And, and also, this was a plastic pylon. It did no damage to his car. It right. scuffed it a little bit. Like It wasn't like it ran I mean, into a person. Could or, it have been a concrete pole? I suppose so. But maybe it would have looked different to the right. car. Look, we're all going to look back at this and we're going to laugh because we're going to go, remember when cars didn't know how to drive? Yeah. And, and little kids are going to go... Cars didn't always know how to drive, Dad? You used to have to drive it yourself, Jimmy. There used to be a thing called a clutch pedal. <laughs> what did the clutch pedal? It took the engine out of the... What's an engine? It's going to be a hard conversation to have. Hey, look, if you like talking about FSD beta, hit the like button. It really helps our channel. All right, so Elon retweeted this tweet from Tesla Charging. Non-Tesla vehicles can now charge at select superchargers in France and Norway via the Tesla app. Learn more at this link. So it appears that Tesla is expanding its pilot program in Europe of allowing non-Tesla vehicles to charge at Tesla superchargers, now adding Norway and France to the Netherlands, Belgium and Germany. Tesla says that they will expand this program to non-Teslas if there is available capacity. So non-Tesla EV drivers will need to download the Tesla app 4.2.3 or higher, and they will see which superchargers are available to them. Then they'll pick the stall by the number on the stall, and they'll have two minutes to start the charge. Idle fees still apply, and the cost per kilowatt hour will depend on the cost to Tesla. So they might be a bit higher than what Tesla owners pay. Now, I think a big question is, why is Tesla doing this? Right, because if you've heard us talk about the supercharger network at all, we think that it is one of Tesla's biggest moats. So why are you lowering a drawbridge to your enemies to let them into your moat? I think it's because the European Union has said you got to do this. And so Tesla is slowly doing this because they've been forced to. I don't understand how they can do that. Uh, it's the law, dude. In Europe, I mean, chargers have to be publicly available. You can't put them behind fences like Tesla used to do. You can't make them only available to Teslas. Why not? It's the law. I don't know. I didn't write the law. So it's because it's not a free country. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> um, I, okay. So I'm really frustrated by this because this isn't what Tesla wanted to do. No. They they specifically made their chargers different than everyone Well, else's. they did say they would work with other companies. But yeah, they wanted to work on a company by company basis, I think, when they had an agreement of some kind. Is Tesla going to be getting an incentive for this from somebody? Um, I mean, there is some government programs that they are going to get some funding for. So maybe. But I don't really think that would be enough to make them just open the whole network up. Because, I mean, let's face it. Uh, if you're, let's say, an Audi e-tron and you pull into a supercharger, you can't just pull into the stall. You, your charger's in the wrong spot. So you have to block. And, well, I mean, unless it's this kind of charger. Mm -hmm. But if it's a kind of normal back-end charger, you're going to have to pull in like perpendicular, which means most cases you're going to block like two or three spots. So, oh, and also, just by the way, you're probably not going to be able to take advantage of the full charging speed. So you're going to be there longer, which means that you're tying up not only the two or three spots, but you're there two or three or four times longer, which means you're the equivalent of like a dozen Teslas. Right. So with this rollout, is this an opportunity for Tesla to say, see, told you this wouldn't work. 
Screw you, European Union. This is unreasonable. I don't know if that's a way out of the law. I don't know if they can say, like, here's the data. It's not going to work for us. Or if they're going to be forced to, like, lengthen their cables or, you know, redo their stalls. I don't know. Could this also be a way for Tesla to basically just garner support for itself? You you just need a couple pictures of a few Audi e-trons pulled in sideways at a couple chargers. Everyone goes, yeah, that's ridiculous. You mean this change the law? Uh, yeah, that's what laws are for. You, yeah, I don't know. You change them when they're dumb. Tell us in the comments below, Europeans. Can you change the law that easily? Speaking of changing the law, a lot of people are upset at uh, President Biden and his apparent lack of knowledge about Tesla. So a fan started a change.org petition to get POTUS to recognize Tesla. And guess what? They've had over 50,000 signatures. Another fan even ran an ad in Times Square. Yeah. And uh, Elon responded to this when President Biden said, I meant it when I said the future was going to be made right here in America. Companies like GM and Ford are building more electric vehicles here at home than ever before. And Elon, of course, tweeted, starts with a T, ends with an A, ESL in the middle. So he's just trying to give just give a couple hints because it's been really frustrating. If you've been really frustrating watching any of this, it's just like, I'm sorry, the leader of the free world can't just say the word Tesla. What the f***? It's not that he can't say it it's that he's, <laughs> he's been in, told not he's to intentionally gaslighting all of us i don't know it's fine it's really it's really annoying it's i mean we know has he obviously. been in one do we have a picture of him even near one does he know I'm they sure. exist i i get it you know if you're if you're the democrats you need the support of the unions apparently apparently unions are going to save this but next here's the election thing. elon's not against unions because he's an evil person he's against unions because they're usually pretty inflexible and he needs his employees to constantly innovate and constantly move on to whatever he needs them to move on to. He can't have them go, yeah, I only put the widget into widget slot B. If right. you want me to do something different, you're going to have to talk to my supervisor. Right. That's just not going to work for a company that's innovating at the speed of light. Uh, anyway, go to change.org and sign the petition. <laughs> I don't know if it'll do anything. Who but knows? So Tasmanian tweeted out, Tesla publishes patent for global headlamps customizable to all countries' requirements. And Elon says, a bigger win then it may seem. So what are we what? talking about here? So, you know, when you send a car over to, say, Germany, mm -hmm. they got different headlight laws than we have here. Okay. In fact, I saw this when we did our uh, Model 3 European road trip. We took our Model 3 and we drove into England. And all of a sudden, we might have been breaking the law because our headlights weren't doing what you needed to do in England as opposed to the rest of Europe. All right, so you can see our headlights there. What we did was at the last supercharger in the UK at Maidstone, we manually lowered the headlights down to their full minimum. The reason we had to do it is here in England, they have different headlight laws than in the rest of Europe. You'd have to put a diffuser on your headlights on the left and right side so they don't hurt the eyes of other drivers. Um, and so that's a big deal for auto manufacturers because that means that, for instance, this has happened to Tesla, right? They ship a bunch of cars over, but the parts aren't ready. And so they have to have them sit on a parking lot until they can ship over new headlights. But from Elon's point of view, a headlight is just a piece of hardware that's getting a signal and you can change the signal to tell it like to light differently. Mm. So he must have been like, uh, why don't we just program it differently for different countries? Generally, the, the reason you wouldn't want to do that is because you want to make it as cheap as possible. And you'd be sitting there with a razor blade kind of peel pennies. Right. And you're going like, yeah, we're going to shave so much money. But speaking of saving money, I mean, if you can make it so that a change in the code can make the headlamp do something different, that's actually cheaper because then you don't have to worry about two different production lines and, and shipping and all Supply that. Supply chains, exactly. which is the new thing that you have to worry about if you actually want to save money. And this is the kind of innovation that's just built into Tesla. They're not always just looking for the biggest hanging fruit. They're looking for anything that they can get at. And this is 
one of those, which, by the way, if you don't have your headlights ready, you can't sell the car. So, I mean, a lot of car companies that we've seen like GM and Ford, because they're not fully integrated, they're waiting for some supplier who has a supplier who has a supplier to ship them that part before they can sell the car. So Morgan Stanley analyst Adam Jonas has just issued a new note to clients saying, Most auto investors we speak to still struggle with the idea that Tesla could ever be bigger than GM or Ford. We expect Tesla revenues to be larger than GM plus Ford combined by 2027. The zero-sum game is hard to see today, should become obvious over the next 24 months. We estimate the typical Tesla sold commands an average transaction price, or ATP, of approximately $60,000, or roughly 20% above the U.S. average ATP, implying an adjusted wallet share of 4.6%. So this is Jonas's prediction of how Tesla wallet share in solid red and GM's wallet share in blue will play out over the next few years. Now, what is wallet share again? I guess because it's hard to compare apples to apples here where Tesla's cars are worth more than the average price. So analysts, you know, they have to complicate things. So it's kind of like market share. Yeah. But it's wallet share because it's more to do with the money than it is to do with how many cars you Right. At the end of the day, it's really the number of cars you sell isn't really as important as the amount of money you're making. And I guess that's what they're talking about. And Morgan Stanley has a $1,300 price target for Tesla stock today. Now, what's your price target for Tesla stock? Comment down below. I'm interested to see your predictions. I'm kind of interested in this because uh, you know about the jelly bean experiment? Right. You at the state fair, uh, they have a big jar full of jelly beans and everyone guesses. And the average is usually pretty close to the correct number. So just giving you a little hint here. Wait a couple (laughs) days. Go back through our comments. Add everything up. Divide by the number of comments that commented. And you might get the exact price of Tesla stock. Or not. (laughs) Maybe. Not really looking at at a jar here. We're looking at a graph. A little different. So last May, we learned that Tesla filed plans in Texas for Project Bobcat, an industrial building on about 150 acres of land off Harold Green Road near Gigafactory, Texas. For a short time, Giga Nevada was codenamed Project Tiger. So there's been a lot of speculating that this uh, Project Bobcat complex would be for battery cell manufacturing. Yeah, it's a play on the lion word, right? Lithium-ion, Bobcat, Tiger. So on February 2nd, Michael Loftus of engineering firm Kimley Horn filed a permit for an industrial use facility on 32 acres of the site for Project Cathode. So wait, who's Michael Loftus? He and his firm were named on previous Gigafactory construction permits. They are basically Tesla's contractor design engineering firm. Okay, so this is in line with what Tesla's uh, senior VP, Drew Baglino, said at Battery Day back in 2020. Yeah, he said, we're going to go and start building our own cathode facility in North America and leveraging all of the North American resources that exist for nickel and lithium. And just doing that, just localizing our cathode supply chain and production, we can reduce miles traveled by all the materials that end up in the cathode by 80 percent. Yeah. Remember, during Battery Day, Drew explained that the traditional cathode process looks like this. Yeah, he said, effectively, if you start at the left and you have the metal from the mine, the first thing that happens is the metal from the mine is changed into an intermediate thing called a metal sulfate, because that just happens to be what chemists wanted to do a long time ago. And then when you're making the cathode, you have to take this intermediate thing called the metal sulfate, add chemicals, add a whole bunch of water, a whole bunch of stuff happens in the middle. And at the end, you get this little bit of cathode and a whole bunch of wastewater and byproducts. And so Tesla changed their cathode process to look more like this. 
Yeah, he said, as you can see, a whole lot less is going on here. We get rid of the intermediate metal, water, final product, cathode, recirculate the water, no wastewater at all. And when you summarize all of that, it's a 66% reduction in CapEx investment, a 76% reduction in process cost, and zero wastewater. Much more scalable solution. And also remember that soon after Battery Day, we reported that Tesla had bought a Canadian company called Spring Power International and took over three of their patents for $3. Yeah, those patents include innovative process to produce cathode materials for rechargeable lithium-ion batteries, process for recovering materials from spent rechargeable lithium batteries, and method to produce cathode materials for lithium-ion batteries. So it seems like Tesla bought that company to get their cathode technology and a bunch of their battery scientists who have become employees at Tesla. And we know that Tesla has already installed and started operating some battery manufacturing equipment at Giga Texas. And Tesla has said that they plan on producing over 100 gigawatt hours of battery cells there. So, I mean, this is really exciting because it means that uh, we actually have some kind of proof that the cathode is going to be made at Giga Texas. I mean, why else would you call it Project Cathode? Hey, and if you want to learn more about what's going on at Gigafactory Texas, head on over to our friends at the Cybertruck Owners Club. We are sponsored by them, and there you'll find a crowdsource reservation tracker that you can update and find your place in line for your Cybertruck. Check out their website for Cybertruck news, discussions, and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. And don't forget about the 3D configurator so you can visualize your Cybertruck in any color, wrap, or logo, both on screen and in augmented reality. So I saw that Elon was playing Halo recently. Yeah, he said uh, Halo Infinite campaign is good harbinger battle on l is tough what, what does that even mean um you know video games <laughs> so do you think elon would like the troxus t1 pro scooter that you and ethan just reviewed yeah i mean a lot of people have been asking about our uh, now let's review channel that's where we along with ethan our head of products and reviews review every e-bike e-scooter e-longboard etc that we can get our hands on yeah, I mean, we started the Now Let's Review channel because we believe electric mobility is the future. And you can't have an internal combustion engine powered bike. I mean, they've tried them over the years, but they just don't really work. And because batteries and motors are so powerful, small and cheap, you can have awesome electric bikes, scooters, longboards. And there are so many to choose from, like the Troxxas T1 Pro e-scooter that you and Ethan just reviewed. Yeah, it's got a very unique look. Like it could have been a Halo space scooter. And if you head over to Now Let's Review, you'll find dozens of thoughtful, thoroughly researched reviews. Not only do we know the market really, really well, um, we also know what to look for when we're reviewing because we've tested out so many different e-mobility devices. Yeah, and each review is painstakingly filmed as we put each item through its paces, testing durability, range, features, portability, you name it. So go check out our review of the Troxxas T1 Pro scooter over on Now Let's Review and leave me a comment about how you like the looks. All right, so Elon tweeted out Starlink high performance antenna. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about a new Starlink antenna that you can buy. Um, it will have more than double the antenna capacity of the original Starlink. So Starlink Premium will deliver faster internet speeds and higher throughput. And apparently you can order now and deliveries will start in Q2 of this year. All right, well, I'm gonna go order it right now. Uh, now, before you hit the order button, did you look at the price? Uh, no, I'm just gonna hit the order button. Right, uh, $500 deposit. Okay, that's not bad. $2,500 for the hardware and $500 a month for the service. Yikes. So uh, the current system that we have was uh, $500 or so for the hardware and about $100 a month for the service. 
Right. So, so wait, so what do you get for this new, I mean, like, what are the specs? Starlink premium users can expect download speeds of 150 to 500 megabits per second mm. and a latency of 20 to 40 milliseconds. I think it's basically... It's, the latency sounds the same. Well, that's because it can't shoot radio waves any faster. Right. That's, so, so I mean, what I'm saying, though, is you're not really getting lower latency, but you are, it does sound like getting a lot more bandwidth. Right. So, I mean, I think that this is more for an office as opposed to just like a regular old house where you're going to be like maybe watching Netflix sometimes. This sounds more like you're going to have multiple, multiple people using it at the same time. Yeah. Elon said this is twice the area of our standard phased array with broader scan angle. SpaceX standard antenna production rises rapidly this year, so those with orders shouldn't have to wait long. Note. Starlink can only support a limited number of users in an area, so best to order early. Best to order early? Are they going to stop sending Starlinks to particular places? Well, right. I mean, I think in certain areas there's a limited number because the bandwidth in that area can only be so much. So, I mean, that would point to like large urban areas being kind of out of luck because you're competing with more people. But generally, if you live in a large urban area, you, you probably have good internet. Right. With with a cable. And Elon said you should be using cable internet. If right. You this isn't for city. you. Right. This is for more rural places. But I don't know. speaking of things launched into space, Eric Berger writes in Ars Technica that the Falcon 9, which has launched 10 times since the beginning of December, more than one mission per week, has flown more times than the space shuttle did. Since 2020, the Falcon 9 is the most active rocket in the U.S. and is now arguably one of the safest rockets ever launched with 112 successful launches in a row. Elon said if things go well, Falcon will launch about once a week on average in 2022, delivering two thirds of all Earth payload to orbit. And Serene asked, how will this change with Starship? Elon said Starship is in a different league. Orders of magnitude more mass to orbit than Falcon, necessary for creating a self-sustaining city on Mars. And Serene asked, when is the Starship presentation happening, Elon? Elon said Thursday next week at 8 p.m. Texas time. Whoa, what? So that is not a two weeks response. That is a definite response. And RGV Aerial Photography said, will there be a full stack for the presentation, Elon? And Elon said, yes. So with full stack, he doesn't mean software. He, he means, means hardware. <laughs> he means yeah. the the Starship will be fully stacked and ready to launch kind of thing yeah and as you're going to see in the tweets of the week uh they're actually getting ready for it right now all right so two notable updates to the tesla app in version 4.5.1 first the new version gives vehicles specs and warranty expirations hmm. so you can know when your warranty is about to expire Yeah, which is really good because i mean a lot of us uh what are you going to do like go back through your paperwork and emails and stuff right uh the second is a new charge stats feature which will show owners how much they have saved over what they would have spent on gasoline, which I think is awesome. And it'll also show the breakdown of how you charged between home, superchargers, and other. Now, why would this be useful? This is, first of all, just great data to have for your own records. <laughs> um, but I think that it's really good to show your friends and family about how much you are going to be saving and how you charge. And I, I don't know, I think that it's just nice to have graphs when you're explaining things to people. You're like, and see, this is where I went on that trip. And you can see I did a lot of supercharging and then I came home and I charged at home all the time. I think it's actually, yeah, I think a lot of owners are 
really don't have that number in their head right now. If I said to you, like, how much are you saving with your EV? You'd probably be like, a lot? I, I don't know. Right. But if you have that number and you're like, oh, last month I saved 200 bucks, then you can, when your friends are talking to you, you can just quickly like be like, yeah, I saved 200 bucks last month. And it's a really accurate number. If you know how much you pay for the price of electricity, right. you can basically uh, enter that in. Well, it, you basically tell it what utility you, you use to pay with and it knows your location. So your home charging at least will be fairly accurate. It knows supercharging costs as well. So you're going to have pretty accurate numbers when you're telling your friends instead of going like, well, let's see, I drove for 3,000 miles and I think I pay about so you know people are like okay so you're just averaging stuff up like I usually go to the gas station and I get a receipt I think another important piece of data that most of us kind of forget about when we start driving EVs is how much we charge at home now I know not every EV owner can charge at home but most of us do and I think we kind of forget how awesome that is it's like a super feature of the car and this is going to remind you every month of like oh yeah most of the time I just charge it at home and right. you gas drivers don't have that ability exactly well, unless you keep a giant tank of gasoline at your house. Which is, that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it is. <laughs> Probably not legal. So a federal appeals court voted unanimously last week, ruling against Arizona utility SRP, the Salt River Project, which covers the Phoenix area. They ruled that they were violating antitrust laws when it charged solar customers higher electricity rates than non-solar customers. They charged them higher rates? Yeah. In 2014, Salt River Project adopted a new pricing plan that solar customers who still need to be hooked up to the utility for times when solar is not available can be charged up to 65% more than under prior plans. Yet at the same time, rates for non-solar customers only went up about 3.9%. Judge Eric Miller wrote, after adopting the new pricing scheme, SRP undertook a $1.7 million advertising campaign to promote its increased rates for solar customers. Not surprisingly, applications for solar energy systems in SRP territory decreased by between 50 and 96 percent. Coercive activity that prevents its victims from making free choices between market alternatives gives rise to antitrust injury. Whoa. So wait, that was a judge who wrote that. Yep. And I mean, that is really good precedent to be mm -hmm. setting. And it's really good case law to have on file. Exactly. Gene Sue, the director of the Energy Justice Program for the Center for Biological Diversity, said this is a game changer in the struggle to defend rooftop solar against utilities all out war on clean, affordable, climate resilient energy. For the first time, a federal court has said utilities can be liable under antitrust laws if they attack rooftop solar. The future for renewable energy just got a lot brighter. And if you're wondering and you're like, I don't live in Arizona, I don't see how this affects me. You have to understand how the judicial system works. Uh, there's stuff called case law. And so you'll hear about it a lot. You know, the most famous, of course, in Roe v. Wade and stuff like that. That is, uh, you know, specific cases that once you basically rule on that case, you're setting a precedent. Yeah, because when you write a law, you're not thinking about all the different edge cases, right? You're not thinking about solar on people's roofs when you write antitrust laws. That has to come from cases. And so as cases happen over the years, that becomes how law is interpreted. Now, this case will be used by future courts on how to decide rooftop solar. And this means that utilities are going to have to be a little scared if they want to go after solar like they've been doing. Because this means that now a court can very easily say, uh, yeah, this looks a lot like this other case that we exactly. have here. So looks like, yeah, you're going to be paying damages. And this means that it's going to change the way that the world works. Um, this is one of those things that you, that you don't really get to learn in school that much no. unless you're a lawyer. And it, I think it's really important to talk about. But do you see how long it took? This happened <laughs> this in 2014. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, case law takes time. 
Right. This is kind of the nice part about the judicial system is that when it works, it works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think that, again, this is a big win. I'm very, very happy because this, again, is going to mean a much brighter future for rooftop solar. All right. This week, the media has been all over this phantom braking issue with Tesla's. I mean, oh, my God, this is a big deal. A lot of people have been complaining to NHTSA, right? Look at this chart. Uh, that's not that many. No, people. look at it. Look at the big red line there. Uh -huh. 51 million people are complaining to that's, NHTSA. No, that's not. That's I'm, I'm 51,000 people at least. Nope. Nope. That's 51. And that's in one particular month. 51 complaints into into NHTSA. Well, hang on. The media was like, the world is going to explode because so many people are having phantom braking. You're saying that that like 100 people have complained? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So 100 people wrote into NHTSA, said phantom braking is a problem. And then the, the news media just took that story and went, you guys won't believe what's happening. Well, well, still, Jesse, I mean, 100 people are upset about phantom braking. Okay. I mean, I would argue that phantom braking has been happening since the beginning of Tesla Autopilot, yeah, Mobileye. But, it, and, but it's dangerous and, and it, it has, has to, to stop. stop. Okay. Right. NHTSA, you got to do something about it because 100 <laughs> people are upset. Right. I mean, 100 people to me it just isn't enough for me to believe. Like, it's just that's not a big enough data point for me. I think that I can convince probably 100 people to do something else stupid right now. Like here, here. What? Um, put your birth date in the comments right now. Wait, that's stupid. Some people are gonna do it, and I think that I proved my point. This is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, like sure, some people are gonna complain to NHTSA. Some people might think that it's a problem. Maybe it is a problem. But so are you kind of implying that maybe someone put a lot of these people up to it? Yeah. I, look, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it's a really good point because I mean, 100 people out of what two million Tesla drivers? Sure. Uh, means that it's just a tiny, tiny fraction of people, and a lot of these people might be Tesla bears. It it could be, but it also is like this has been an ongoing thing. Phantom braking. This is not brand new. I think probably what happened was that there was yet a, like a news report about it where they talked about it, and then a lot of people were like, "Yeah, I experienced that too. I should go complain to NHTSA." Jesse, NHTSA should do something about this. Well, don't worry. NHTSA spokeswoman Lucia Sanchez says that they are talking with Tesla about the complaints. Good. Quote. NHTSA is aware of complaints received about forward collision avoidance and is reviewing them through our risk-based evaluation process. This process includes discussions with the manufacturer, as well as reviewing additional data sources, including early warning reporting data. If the data shows that a risk may exist, NHTSA will act immediately. Good. Yeah. See? So she basically Woo. said, we're not doing jack <laughs> That's kind of... <laughs> yeah. Um, which is fine. Uh, NHTSA got what, like 130 complaints, according to this graph. To... I do want to point to the fact that it went up right about the time that uh, Tesla removed radar and was doing visual only. <laughs> and then it's going down as they're refining it. Uh, right. Now, maybe that's because there were problems or maybe it's because people were freaked out about it. Right. And so maybe they were just really and, worried. And let me just say, you know, I don't like phantom braking either. I think that Tesla should eliminate it, but it does take time. And if you want the most advanced, innovative cars in the world, you're going to have to allow Tesla engineers to do this work. And I just want to say, as someone who has been saved probably more than three times by automatic emergency braking, um, I've had phantom braking before. I'm very glad that my car is a little more brake happy. I've been in cars with friends who don't seem to want to brake on time and it's very stressful. So having something that's a little bit more brake happy is kind of the the side of the spectrum that I would like to be on.
So New Mexico has passed new rules, making it so that the oil and gas industry in the state has to file electronic reports whenever there is a spill, a flare or an incident. This change went into effect last May. So let's see what happened with the numbers of reports. Hmm. Uh, let's see. 327,000 metric tons of natural gas were vented into the atmosphere by New Mexico wells in 2021. That's almost 10 times higher than in 2019. That's enough gas, by the way, to heat 39,000 homes for a year. So uh, why did the number go up so fast? This law appears to just be going from having to fill out a paper form to now being able to fill it out on the Internet. Well, that must have caused more gas leaks. <laughs> Don't you see the correlation there? Was it that just gas owners were lazy and didn't? Oh, I got to drive down the town hall and report this leak. Forget it. So, I mean, I think that that's what it is, right? They, you didn't want to file. Oh, I have to go get a pen. Where's oh? No, it's true. Pens on my There's desk. only 10 inspectors in all of New Mexico to inspect 52,000 active oil and gas wells across the state. And let me just remind you, by the way, it's not just methane that gets vented when a natural gas uh, tank is venting. Natural gas, by the way, accounts for 10 percent of all human greenhouse gas emissions, and it's 80 times more potent than CO2. But natural gas also includes benzene, toluene, and xylene, just to name a few of the horribly carcinogenic poisons that are contained in natural gas. Right. This is a pause, a good thing? This Because, I mean, this means that uh, the numbers had been woefully underreported for a very long time because it must have been and I would, somewhat difficult. I would argue these are still underreported. This number is probably still off by probably a, a magnitude of order because this is self-reporting. This is just saying, like, you tell us, gas industry, <laughs> when you're doing something right. bad. They only have 10 inspectors. Now, the governor is actually asking for $3 million to hire more um, inspectors and to get more equipment. But a bunch of legislators who are basically controlled by the oil and gas industry there have said, like, no, 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 we don't need more money for that. Ten should be fine. Ten should be fine for, uh, what is it, 52,000? I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to go outside right now and inspect 5,000 trees. <laughs> go ahead. You know what? I'll give you all year to do it. Make sure they're not spewing. Fill, no, you got to you got to drive to different parts of your state, though, and you got to fill out reports. I'm sure you can cover all 5,000 accurately by the end the of the year. The good news is. And maybe this is just because it made it more efficient for for this reporting to happen. It right. just so they changed it so that it was now online. Yep. And they had more than a 10x in reported yeah. spills and flares. Yeah. And and so by the way, you shouldn't be venting your gas into the atmosphere because it's cheaper or easier for you to do that. You should be making sure that you update your tanks and updating your pipelines. Or but maybe in- just not having any of this bullshit. Like right. it's it's really ridiculous that we still have it, and that no no you know why they're so excited about it? They know that the next big thing could be hydrogen, right? And you know where you get hydrogen from? Natural you, gas. You can get it from natural so gas. You're gonna be yeah, it's gonna be the exact same thing, except then they're gonna turn it into hydrogen and sell it to you and be like, it's clean, it's green. Exactly. And and so this is another reason why we hate talking about hydrogen on the show because it's bullshit. And when people are talking about like, whoa, natural gas only spills this much. Keep in mind, it's probably all underreported. Exactly. We don't know. It's an invisible gas. It's really hard to actually spot when the natural gas is leaking. So for pipelines and tanks and and wells, 
It's, it's just like, I don't know. Um, I think it's probably this much. It's probably more, which means that, you know, natural gas, which burns cleaner and has less CO2 emissions than coal. Yeah, oh, but uh, don't pay attention to natural gas. It's just leaking out of the ground, pouring exactly. into the atmosphere. That's this is why we don't think that it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread, which it's everyone not. seems to think it is. All right, it's time for Into the Future. And we're sponsored by Henson Shaving. I've been using Henson shaving for months, uh, and I've tried every kind of shaving. I'll, I'll be honest. Aside from the 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 sword, I haven't tried sword shaving. I, I am so jealous of you, and I want people to comment below. Do you want me to shave off my beard with the Henson shaver? Whoa! I'm just asking. <laughs> Is that something you want? Or you're like, no, leave the leave the beard on. I think we can leave. It's fine. I, I hey, I want to know. Anyway. Go over to Henson Shaving. You will find a code there. Now you know. Use it at checkout for 100 free blades. Right. Uh, you can use our link in the show notes below. I'm still use. I'm not even halfway through mine. So when we started Tesla Time News back in 2016, we talked all the time about how EVs are on an adoption S-curve. Here's a graph of, of an S-curve. Mm-hmm. If you take a look at the very low portion of the S curve, mm-hmm. the area under the curve, that's the that's the amount of units produced, mm-hmm. is very small. Yep. You get into the S curve. It's gigantic. It's gigantic. Right. So let's look at this chart from the IEA at Global EV Market Share. So we're looking at 2010 to 2016 when we started the show. Now, at that rate, it looks like we should have hit maybe two and a half percent of EV market share by 2021. But that's not how S-curves work. They look linear at first, but they're actually exponential. Right. Starts off boring, boring. Ooh, who cares about these numbers? Oh, is it going up? Whoa. Yeah. Not so boring anymore, is it? Yeah, according to the IEA, the International Energy Agency, in their latest report called Electric Cars Fend Off Supply Challenges to More Than Double Global Sales, EV sales now make up 8.57% of the global auto market. Yeah, look at that jump from just over 3 million EVs in 2020 to over 6.5 million in 2021. The IEA estimates that there are now over 16 million EVs on the road worldwide. And again... This is an S-curve. Why is it called an S-curve? It does taper off towards the end. That's when your great-grandmother is buying an EV. <laughs> exactly. Because she goes to the dealership and there's nothing else to buy. Exactly. Um, that is what we're talking about. Right now, we're at this point where it's going to look oh, oh, vertical. Straight up. Oh, everyone I know is buying an EV. Do you remember when that happened with HDTVs and smartphones? It was just like... I mean, I thought I could just keep my flip phone forever. There was literally a day in in our town where you just drove around and there was nothing but CRT monitor, you know, old televisions Mm -hmm. littering the sidewalks because everyone had gone out that weekend to buy flat screens. And that's what's going to happen here. You're going to find ice cars littering the junkyards because everyone's going to be buying EVs. All right, it's time for Going Green and we're sponsored by EcoWare. And I don't want you to forget about our bumper stickers. We have a lot of new Bumper stickers. Yeah. Kiss my amps. <laughs> Kiss my ass. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got, and I mean, even if you don't drive a Tesla, we have cars for you. Yeah, fake gas. <laughs> and if you uh, live in a place of high crime, we even got one for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, check all of these out and keep in mind that everything that we sell on EcoWare is completely carbon offset and we help plant a bunch of trees for every order and we help to cap a well for every order as well. Yeah, want to keep that methane out of the atmosphere. 
Now, of course, we all know this. The tax code is implemented in many countries to incentivize certain behaviors or activities and disincentivize others. In the U.S., having children, paying interest on student loans or mortgages, contributing to charity or buying certain electric vehicles gets you a tax incentive. However, the U.S. has a missing tax incentive that many other countries have already adopted. Biking to work. Wait, biking to work? Yes. In Belgium, you can get an incentive of about 45 cents per mile. And in the UK, you can get about 26 cents per mile. Okay, well, that sounds all fun and dandy. But who makes sure I don't lie about how much I bike? I could just be like, yeah, I biked 100 miles to work today. <laughs> I ain't over the money. Right. Uh, your employer. So basically, if your company partakes in this program, they enforce that you are biking to work. So every day they, you know, oh, yeah, he got off his bike. And we know that he lives, you know, four or five miles from our company, so he must have biked 10 miles total that day. Oh, interesting. So they keep track of it, and then you get a tax credit. Right, so, right, the company gets the tax credit and they pass it on to you in your pay cycle. Exactly. Now, this reduces traffic because you have fewer cars on the road. Mm -hmm. It reduces air pollution because <laughs> bikes don't produce that much air pollution, and it also reduces CO2 emissions. And Many studies have found that it increases health and happiness with the people who are riding bikes. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm curious if people would be interested in something like this in the U.S. Yeah. Now, I know what people are thinking. How would I possibly bike to work? Because let's face it, a lot of us live very far away. I think I got an answer. Uh huh. E-bikes. That's true. E-bikes really do solve that problem. Because I mean, because normally, you know, you'd say, well, if I don't live within like a mile of work, I'm not biking. But you could literally live like 20 miles away with an e-bike and it's not hard. Right. And, you know, I know what you're saying. Also, like my work doesn't have a shower. So what am I going to do? Like show up to work and take a bath in the sink? Like, yeah, but with an e-bike, you, you don't, don't have to pedal that exactly. hard if you don't want to. So, I mean, it's a I mean, look, I know in the middle of winter in Minnesota, you're not going to be biking to work. But in many places you can. And I mean, just imagine if in the spring and in the, in the fall for those, I don't know, here it's like those three or four weeks where it's actually nice to bike. Um, imagine if you did put in, say, a couple hundred miles. This is so smart because there's so many intangibles here, so many things you can't count. You said health and happiness. Yeah. You can't put a figure <laughs> on that. If you're happy getting to work because you weren't in your little metal box screaming at people <laughs> stuck in traffic, but instead we're like, hey, Fred, how you doing today? Like that's incalculable how much right. that's worth and that is what our tax system is all about right we have tons of incentives for doing certain things right and this is one of those things i think we should be incentivizing now i know that there's like but there isn't enough bike infrastructure and i again would go back to this is kind of a chicken and the egg thing if people don't think that they need to ride their bikes anywhere they won't care about bike infrastructure as soon as they're like well if i only there was i only need like this little section of road that's really scary to have a bike lane on it and then all of a sudden i could bike to work guess what? Now you're going to be showing up to meetings. You're going to be trying to exactly. get that installed. And don't, you know, I know you're thinking, well, this will never happen in my lifetime. Even if it doesn't, do it for your kids. It will happen in your lifetime. Like making a bike lane is so much easier than making a freaking road. I know. Adding another lane to your highways. Yeah. Like, and it's so, cheaper. Yeah. All right. It's time for sunspots. 30 by 30 is now 30 by 25. Is this math or some kind of like, oh, you're an amateur radio guy now. So this is like amateur radio jargon, no. right? So 30 by 30. Do, 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 no, no, no. Do, 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 I'm sorry. I'm talking about the FP&L. This is Florida Power and Light. Florida's largest utility. They serve about 5 million customers in the Sunshine State. I still don't understand. So FP&L 
had a plan to install 30 million solar panels by 2030. Oh, I see. But now they're reducing it to like 25 million panels, right? Uh, No, it's still 30 million panels. But now Florida Power and Light says they will be installed ahead of schedule by five years. Oh, I see. 30 by 25. 30 million panels by 2025 instead of 2030. Oh. Right. So FPNL has installed 13 million panels at 44 solar farms across Florida. Six additional sites should be coming online within days. And last December, FPNL commissioned what they claimed is the world's largest solar powered battery at its Manatee Energy Storage Center. Right. It's the 409 megawatt, 900 megawatt hour battery that can power 329,000 homes. Yes, and FBNL closed its last coal fire plant yes. last year too. That's awesome. I love good news like this. I love the fact that all the solar is going on in the world, but nobody sees it and nobody talks about it, right? You get you turn on your evening news and no one's talking about this, but actually if you just zoom out, like just go on Google Maps right now, okay? And zoom out around your area. I bet you will see some solar farms that you didn't know existed because I did that to my area mm-hmm. recently and I knew about one over here and then I was like, Wait, what's this one over here? Exactly. They're going in all over the place, but usually they're in places that you don't like see. Right. And but they're generating a heck of a lot of power. And if you'd like to generate a heck of a lot of power for yourself for free because the sun comes out every day, head on over to Energy Pal. They've got all the answers you need to go solar for less. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. And these are stories that you can send into this channel. Remember, send us stories that are about two minutes or less. Shoot them in landscape with good audio and no music and send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got for stories this week, Jess? Uh, we've got Ricardo. He sent us this video of his all-electric snowblower. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is uh, Rick from Wisconsin. Um, I have a uh, Ryobi. 40 volt brushless snowblower here to show you. I will probably do more reviews on it later, but here it is. It has heated handlebars and it's got a fancy light. Looks like the Cybertruck. <laughs> Controls. Seems pretty good for the shoot. Um, this controls to drive it, and then the next thing is the control to increase the speed is at your thumb, so you can make it go faster or slower. The machine is a lot quieter. Then a gas one, and then you don't have to start it. Um, so far, I've used it twice. Um, they used up about half a battery to do a 50 by 30 driveway. Um, the unit is pretty heavy for being battery operated. Um, I'll try to post more videos on it uh, as soon as we get some deep enough snow. Now you know.
awesome. I love to see that these actually work, that it's quiet. Like one of the things I hated about our gas powered snowblower years ago was that you had to put on like earphones because it was so damn loud. Oh, you're fine. What? What? I'm about to hit something. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a dog in front. It's, it's so much better, yeah. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. Now, if you're one of our newer viewers and you're like, what do they talk about every week? They say they're doing something, but then they don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's because you have to head on over to Patreon right now. That's where our patrons go to watch our bonus stories. Those are stories you get to watch for just a buck a month. And not only that, you can get some other cool perks there as well. So head on over to patreon.com slash now you know. We're going to be talking about... It's more Tesla FUD, of course. There's the Michigan planned electric mile. And... Porsche in Norway and more. So head on over to patreon.com slash now you know and support us for just a buck a month to get all these Patreon bonus stories. All right, we're back from the Patreon shoutouts. We also did a bonus investor club story. Uh, so go check that out on Patreon. Who are our Patreon shoutouts going to this week? Brian Keenum, Sweater Nerd Jeff, Brent Sterling, Camo, Russell Sutton, Rock. Don and Bain, Perry Hovermail, Sam Clark, Hugh Pennell, Richard Gentry, David Peltier, Paul Heesom, Andre Vandenberg, Rob Buchanan, Colin Cooler, Danny Richland, Corey Klassmeyer, Alan R. Meyer, Kirk Oaks, Cooper Cash, Lee Pickler, Stephen Grande, and Benjamin Rickstein. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do the show without you. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week because you're busy and you may not have had time to read every tweet, so we condense it for you. So Elon tweeted out this meme, which of course has to do with Joe Rogan and uh, Spotify. SpaceX tweeted out a view of Falcon 9's stage separation from ground cameras and Elon said, 16-story tall rocket traveling several times faster than a bullet backflips and fires engines to return to launch site. Yeah, no big whoop. Homar's catalog said the fact that Lucid Air was delivered without Dream Drive, adaptive cruise, or even automatic emergency braking shows what a powerful differentiator software has become for Tesla. Elon said Tesla has great respect for software engineering. They do not. Tesla is as much a software company as it is a hardware company, both in car and in factory. This is not widely understood. Arcolect showed this picture of Dragon, and uh, Elon said this is the Dragon hover test. Pretty damn cool looking. Tesla Owners UK said today we saw the UK's fastest peak supercharge rate of 254 kilowatts at Rugby Services with the Model 3. It added 42% of range in 13 minutes. Even more impressive is that this car isn't brand new. It has over 72,000 miles on the clock. Will we see any higher, Elon? Elon said yes. Hmm. That's awesome. Noah Webb said any updates for Canadians? Been a couple weeks since he said two to four weeks. Don't get my hopes up for nothing. Elon says, we'll begin limited rollout in Canada this month. Safety is paramount, so we have to confirm no significant issues given slightly different road rules. So, of course, they're talking about full self-driving beta. Elon tweeted out exciting progress at Starbase, Texas. And I guess we're going to learn more on Thursday, right? <laughs> yeah. Arash said, San Francisco to Berkeley, 99% on FSD beta. Had to take over to drive aggressively to be able to get onto the freeway. Soul-crushing traffic got crushed, Elon. Elon says, tunnels. <laughs> World of Engineering says engineers are not mere technicians and should not approve or lend their name to any project that does not promise to be beneficial to man and the advancement of civilization. That's a quote from John Fowler. Elon agrees. James Locke says any updates on when we can get delivery of orders placed for northern Canada around the 60th parallel for Starlink. Elon says high latitudes are operational probably this summer. Hmm. Sawyer Merritt says even some Biden aides say they wish the boss would warm to Musk's company. Bums me out as a satisfied Tesla owner, one said. The White House officials who spoke for the story all asked not to be identified because of the sensitivity of the issue. And Elon says sigh. 
Mark Andreessen says, all cultural formation in our time is now the development and propagation of memes that battle their way through a supply chain in cyberspace. Most die, some thrive. The memes that make it through encode deep meanings. This is as serious a process as has ever existed. Elon says, who controls the memes controls the universe. Ooh, a Dune reference. Gale says in February 2021, parts of Texas lost power for three days. Temperatures were below 14 degrees Fahrenheit. Demand went up and the grid went down. Today, 81 Tesla megapacks, 200 megawatt hours of energy will now support the Texas grid during outages like this. Thank you, Elon. Elon said Tesla's working hard to provide more megapacks for grid stabilization. Tesla owners Mexico said any chance we can get more red dots here? Elon agrees. Tesla Silicon Valley said, Elon, what's the ETA for the full stack FSD beta? Elon says we have to solve a huge part of AI just to make the cars drive themselves. In retrospect, it was inevitable. The road system is designed for cameras, eyes, and neural nets, brains. Ali says, what do you have to say for those who are stubborn on radar? Elon said only very high resolution radar is relevant. Tim Urban tweeted out needle and thread under a microscope. Hmm. Elon tweeted this meme out. Why the heck do I feel so good all the time? Starter pack. And yeah, Elon, we've been saying this for years. Less Twitter, dude. Elon tweeted this tweet out, thank you for smoking, and this is in reference to the movie that he helped fund back in 2005 when his friend David Sachs, the former COO of PayPal, got the rights from Mel Gibson and produced it. By the way, Elon has a cameo in the film, along with his jet. And of course, it's satire. He doesn't like smoking. No. Tesla New York tweeted out this uh, video of Sandy Monroe looking at the Model S Plaid, and uh, and he said this. People have asked uh, asked me about uh, the Model S Plaid and... Is it really what it is, uh, you know, what, what it's claiming to be? And I mean, you just look at this, who's got anything like this? Nobody. So I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very impressed, hugely impressed. Elon says Monroe understands. Slashdot said, keep nuclear power plants open, urged 79 scientists, academics, and entrepreneurs. Elon says, agreed. I don't. Tesla Roddy said SpaceX preparing the ultimate backdrop for Elon Musk's Starship presentation. Elon says, as backdrops go, this is a good one. The Boring Company tweeted out, subtly popping up at the front door of Resorts World. Elon said, the Boring Company just connected Resorts World Hotel to Vegas Convention Center. Universal Curiosity tweeted out a New York traffic jam circa 1918. Elon said, it's high time we had tunnels. All right, so we had a poll last week, which was what? Uh, do you like the placement of the charging port on the latest Cybertruck prototype? Man, it feels like it was more than a week ago. I know, doesn't it? Um, and... Oh, it was split. Just just the most perfect banana split you've ever seen. Yeah, and yeah. most people didn't don't care. Yeah. Why don't you care? <laughs> All right, it's time for community mail time. Community mail time. And remember, you can send your stories into hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Marshall and Sandra shared this photo of a cool Model S. And they say they're Dalmatian. Isla loves to watch our show. So I knew our show was for the dogs. Hello. Jackson said, I am a huge fan of yours. I live in Alberta, Canada, and my school was very recently renovated. I was super excited to see that we had solar panels installed on the side of the gym and the stats are now on a TV screen in the front lobby. So look at this. Their past month, they made 1.9 megawatts of energy. Woo! Good for your school. That's awesome. Good for you guys. All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. Let's see what's out there in the world. Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Pete and Tom coming to you uh, on our journey across the country. This is uh, this is rest stop number four for us, our charging station number four. We are at the Ernie Pyle uh, rest stop in Indiana. We're along uh, Route 90, uh, the northern edge of Indiana. Uh, actually, it's really, really close to Michigan, which if you can see, it's that cluster of trees way off in the distance. That's actually Michigan. Uh, let me see, to eat? 
aside from corn. Uh, there is a rest stop here, of course. Uh, there's a Popeyes in here. There's a Sparrow for pizza, and there's a, there's a coffee shop. So was it a Starbucks? Yeah, Starbucks. Okay, it's a Starbucks. Um, that's it. We got uh, eight charging stations. Not heavily used right now. Met a nice guy from New York over here, and it was Weimaraners. Beautiful dogs. Anyway, uh, what do you give it uh, on a scale of one to ten? This. I like it. Seven? Yeah, I like it. Okay, Tommy likes it. He says it's a seven. Now you know. Bye. Hey, Zach and Jesse, it's Michael coming to you from the brand new supercharger in Kyle, Texas. This is a 16 stall. There's eight going down this direction. It's behind a Five Guys. There's a Five Guys, Verizon Store, Target. There is a plethora of items in this area. Brand new V3 supercharger coming from Kyle, Texas. Great job, guys. Zach and Jesse, I'm here at Orestano in Sardinia, Italy. There's a brand new four stall supercharger, 150 kilowatt. There's our Tesla. Behind me, you can see there's a supermarket, clothing store, homeware, pretty much everything, except I don't see any restaurants, but perhaps inside the supermarket there'd be a small cafe i would give this i was going to give it an eight out of ten but at this point i'm going to give it a seven out of ten because as you can see it's not charging at full capacity it's only at 113 so that's my review and now you know. Hi, Zach. Hi, Jesse. This is Mike, and this is my hometown of Santa Barbara, California. And you can hear a loud Harley in the background. Um, that's because I'm right at the uh, junction of 101 and 154. Uh, 154 goes up and over to a tourist town of Solvang, and 101, of course, being the main freeway through town. I talked to the contractors and they're opening this next week and it's got uh, 12 stalls. They all look like uh, you need to back up, but uh, there's a shopping mall behind me. It's got my local favorite, which is uh, Blenders, uh, makes great smoothies, and uh, Fresco Cafe, which is uh, my favorite uh, place to eat locally. Also, they've got a Starbucks and uh, other places here, a McDonald's across the street. Anyways, there's a... Uh, Another supercharger about five miles away from here. I predict this one will be quite crowded because uh, this uh, parking lot is always crowded and there's a lot of Teslas in this town. So we'll see. Uh, it opens next week. Back to you. Now you know. Thank you so much for doing supercharger reviews. It's very helpful. There's a whole map where you get to see all the supercharger reviews on our website, nowyouknowchannel.com. All right, what do we got for new superchargers in the world? Got number 61 in New York, the 8-stall in Hudson, New York. Number 35 in Illinois, the 12-stall in Evanston, Illinois. The 12-stall in South Surrey, British Columbia. Number 30 in Georgia, the 12-stall in Woodstock. Number 49 in Australia is the 6-stall at Kirrawee in New South Wales. Number 112 in Germany is the 18-stall in Walterstetten. Number 142 in Canada is the 12-stall at St. Labore in Quebec. The 8-stall in Oakhurst, California. And number 264 in California, the 12-stall at Auburn, California. Number 45 in Japan is the 4-stall at Sapporo, Japan. 
The eight stall at Reading, Pennsylvania. Number 44 in Pennsylvania is the eight stall in Erie on Perry Highway. And number 12 in Iowa, number 1,272 in the United States, 3,262 in the world is the eight stall version three at Des Moines, Iowa. All right, it's time for the Patreon giveaway. To get in this big barrel of fun, just join us on Patreon. Hey, it looks like we got some tape stuck there. Yeah. Um, you have a chance to win a $30 gift card to EcoWare. And don't forget, EcoWare is where we sell all this cool stuff like these t-shirts we're wearing. Uh, who's our winner this week? Felicia Wichrowski. Felicia, congratulations. We probably botched your name, but you are going to win a $30 gift card to EcoWare. Um, by the way, don't forget, EcoWare is where we have the Valentine's Day uh, presents and the light show that Jesse made for the you. The good news is the light show download is probably the fastest thing that could possibly arrive. That's true. So, so I mean, if you're in big trouble, that's no, that's a really good point. If so you're watching this on go, go there now, get the light show. Cause at least you'll have that in hand. Right. Then also I would pick up a present too. Cause then you get double points. Exactly. Um, but our friends, the Anderson brothers helped make this awesome jazz song, which is so perfect for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Then Jesse spent hours and hours programming the light show. So you're going to have a one of a kind Valentine's Day light show. And you're going to be able to just blow your significant other away with this thing that they weren't expecting. Yep, It's just going to set the mood. It's going to be so awesome. And don't forget that you pay what you want. And whatever you pay supports our nonprofit. So you're actually giving money to a nonprofit that's doing good things for the world. And I want to thank everyone who's done it so far because we are raising some money and it's so helpful. So thank you. And uh, you've made it to the end of our show. I want to thank our patrons yeah, for making this all these show people. possible. It, this show wouldn't be possible. I don't know why patrons. I move over when I do that. Like, I'm not. Move over. They're, they're right there. Cut the. Get, Move over a little bit. Cut this right there. Good. Have more room for our patrons. I I really appreciate you guys. This show we really, really, really would not happen no. without support from our patrons. And you can make this show better if you help support us on Patreon. Uh, we've just recently hired uh, an associate producer, and I'm so excited. We are we're oh we're expanding up. by the way. So in the next show or two, we're going to be talking about looking for some new members of the team. So yes. if you're interested, stay tuned. We'll probably talk about that near the end of next week's show. And it'll hopefully make this show even better and we can't do that without support from our patrons so again if you want to see your name at the end of the show you can sign up for our patreon and uh yeah we, you'll get access to the patreon bonus stories you'll get access to polls you'll be able to see us on live streams. you can become an executive producer of the show we have a book I mean, club there's all sorts of fun stuff you can check it all out on patreon.com slash now you know and you could be one of these amazing people yeah we hang out with our patrons by the way uh, exactly. About once a month, we yeah. just hang out with you, on, on talk a about stuff, call, and it's it's get really to know great. you. So thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week. Now, now you know. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.